that Mark was raised by his mother and was, uh, and was maybe discipled as by his mother. We don't know. But Acts chapter 12, verse 12. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Um, we surmise that uh, if they met in this home, she was pro- they were probably somewhat wealthy or had a larger home. For this group, for the group to meet in, again, I often wonder if you remember the the when the when the in the upper room, if that in fact was Mary's house, was John Mark's house, um, but but Mary was instrumental uh, in the early church. Uh, we see it uh, in in Acts chapter one verse thirteen. Uh, so we get a little glimpse into John Mark by understanding who his mother was, that she opened her home uh, at least on several occasions to the church, if not on a regular basis. Uh, we also learned that Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. We went through the book of Acts. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Turn to Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And when, when we learn and read about the kind of man Barnabas was, um, there's no doubt that he had, would have had a significant input into the life of John Mark. But probably John Mark is mostly noted for what happened on their, the first missionary journey with Paul. If you remember in Acts chapter 13, the church sets them apart and they begin on their first missionary journey. Um, in Acts 13... Uh, Verse 5, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues, and John was with them as their helper. Um, So, very early on, Mark, John Mark, uh, was traveling with Paul, or was on his way with Paul, uh, on his first missionary journey, um, which is impressive. When you consider the kind of ministry that Paul had, uh, Paul spent a great deal of his time uh, in jail, or getting whipped, um, this was impressive for, for this young man to have been on that journey with them. But it was short-lived because in 13, it says from Paphos, which would just be just inland, um, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So very early on, um, John, John Mark leaves them and returns to Jerusalem. Now, Luke states it very kind of matter-of-factly here. But we learn later on, just turn a couple chapters over, chapter 15, verse 36, how Paul interpreted that. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them and Pamphylia, and then not continue with them in the work. So Paul interpreted, whereas Luke just kind of states it very matter-of-factly, he left, uh, Paul very much uh, interpreted that as a desertion. What does that tell us about John Mark? At this point in his life, maybe, we don't know that we're not told why he turned back, we're not told why he quit, Um, but uh, at this point he's not a real positive figure. In fact, he, he caused a split between Paul and Barnabas. 
but even that God used um, for his purposes. But here's what's exciting about John Mark. At the very end of his life, um, he, he not only had, had experienced some kind of redemption, uh, but in fact, uh, well, in fact, turn to Colossians chapter 4 again. He says again that uh, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, sends you his greetings. You have received instructions about him that if he comes to you, welcome him. So, at some point, there, there had been some kind of reconciliation between Mark, John Mark, and Paul. Uh, but, but most importantly, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11... Now, this is, this is Paul's swan song. This is uh, a letter that he's, he, he wrote near his death, near the time of his death. He says, Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. And, and, I, and I think that, that is, um, that's, an amazing, that's an amazing thing for Paul. That here, he, here, how many years, maybe 12, 13 years earlier, Mark had deserted him, and now 12, 13 years later, he, he, he sees Mark as being helpful and valuable to him in his ministry. So uh, Mark had obviously uh, regular contact with the Apostle Paul and had become an important part uh, of Paul's ministry. Not just with Paul, though, but um, most scholars believe that Mark got his information from Peter and that, in fact, it was Peter who had the primary influence in his life. In 1 Peter 5.13, the, the final greetings, uh, Peter says, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and in testifying that it is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Now, Mark wasn't obviously his physical son, but this was, this was a, a way of designating my spiritual son, the, the, the one whom I have discipled. And so um, that's why most believe that, in fact, uh, the, the information that Mark got in his gospel, uh, to a large extent, he, he received from Peter. And this is interesting because when you read, when, as we read the gospel of Mark, it has all the earmarks, all of the fingerprints of eyewitness testimony which most certainly would have come from Peter. So Mark would have gotten his information from Peter. But we're going to, re- we're going to come to a, a passage, this, this very interesting, uh, almost side note, near the end of the Gospel of Mark, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when the soldiers, they say, grab a young man who flees naked. Um, and, and again, we're going to, we're going to surmise who that, who that young man was. Uh, but most believe, again, that it was Mark. Um, here's a young man who was raised, in, uh, by all intents and purposes, by a godly mother. But he was exposed to the church meeting in his home on, on a regular basis. Um, he had, in fact, um, traveled with Paul uh, and, and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And um, something happened. He deserted. Who knows what happened in his life from then, but we do know that there was some kind of, obviously some kind of, not just reconciliation, but by the end of Paul's life, John Mark had become a valuable member uh, of his ministry, and that, in fact, he had a very intimate relationship with Peter, who more than likely uh, had led him to the Lord. Church tradition tells us that Mark um, died in Alexandria, Egypt. 
That would have been, if that is true, if that is the case, it would have been fascinating to hear and to know how that happened and why he was there. Uh, that is John Mark. Um, so the Mark of our Gospel is also the John Mark that uh, we see in the book of Acts. Well, what are some characteristics of this book? Um, uh, Mark, uh, more than all the others, more than both of the others, was written to Gentiles. Probably to Jewish Christians who were in Rome, or, or a Gentile, Gentiles who were in Rome, not Jewish. Uh, Gentiles who were in Rome. And there are a number of reasons why we, why we think that um, he was pri- writing primarily to Gentiles. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, you're going to see that he explains Jewish customs. If he was writing to a Jewish audience, or a prim- primarily Jewish audience, he wouldn't have to do this. Uh, let me give you an example. Let's turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw that some of his disciples were eating food with hands that were unclean. That is, unwashed. They didn't have hand sanitizing stations, apparently. Now look at uh, NIV. I'm reading from the NIV, and I think appropriately they put this, ver- this next verse in parentheses. The Pharisees, because this is, this is Mark explaining this, giving some background to this. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. This is unique to Mark. We're going to see this throughout the Gospel of Mark, where he, he mentions a Jewish custom, but then he parenthetically will explain that custom to make it clear to his Gentile audience. So he explains Jewish customs, which leads us to believe that he was writing primarily to a Gentile um, congregation. Number two is Aramaic expressions are translated into Greek. Um, everybody understands that the, the lingua franca, 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 uh, of Jesus' day was not Greek. In fact, it was not even Hebrew. Very few knew and read Hebrew. It was Aramaic. Now, um, some of our Old Testament is in Aramaic. And if you were to read an Old Testament text, there, there, it would be virtually indistinguishable. Um, but Aramaic uh, was a distinct language, and, and, and they would have known the difference between Hebrew and Aramaic. Um, so that is what Jesus would have spoken. Would, would have, he would have spoken Aramaic. Um, and, and so what we're going to see in John is John taking Aramaic expressions and translating them into Greek. Um, for instance, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 17. I'll, I'll just give some random um, examples here. Mark chapter 3, verse 17. He's listing the, uh, the twelve apostles. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Boanerges is Aramaic. And so he translates that into Greek, which would be sons of thunder. Um, maybe, uh, let me see if I can pick up which one. 541. Acts 
after he put them all out, uh, we'll start in 40, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was and he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum. And then in parentheses, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. So he interprets the Aramaic. This is, the Talitha kum is Aramaic. And he, he translates that for them. Uh, the classic one, uh, 1522... Is it 1522? Or... Yeah. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Golgotha is Aramaic. So we see this throughout. In fact, some have even posited that, um, that that is, in fact, the language that Mark was most comfortable with because in Greek, the Gospel of Mark is probably, of all the, th- of all the three Gospels, is the most rudimentary. In other words, the grammar is not that great. You know, the handwriting was sloppy. I don't know. Uh, we don't know that. Um, but it, it is most rudimentary, most basic uh, kind of Greek. And so um, he, he would take Aramaic expressions and translate them into Greek and was probably more comfortable with Aramaic than, than he was with Greek. Uh, n- number three, he used Roman time instead of Hebrew time. Uh, we won't look at that. Now, here's what's, here's what's amazing. There are only two Old Testament quotes in the Gospel of Mark. Anybody know where they are? They're right together. Chapter 1, verse 1. That's it. We, we never see the Old Testament again. Boy, you read Matthew, you read Luke, it's everywhere. The Old Testament is everywhere. Why would that be important? For Jews, yeah, for Jews that would be important. In fact, preeminent in Matthew, who, who's particularly writing to Jews. But all the only Old Testament we see in the, in the Gospel of Mark is in chapter 1, verse 1. So, he, he's writing primarily to Gentiles. Uh, number two, his focus really is on the deeds of Jesus rather than the teachings of Jesus. I, I did a count, as best as I could determine, and I counted that there were 19 miracles recorded in the book of Mark and only nine parables so double there's double amount of miracles than there are parables um, in fact I think one of the, one of the crucial verses um, of the book is chapter 10 verse 45 for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and is give his life as a ransom for many. The, the service of Jesus, the actions of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus is what Mark focuses on. Obviously, if you look at the book, at, at the Gospel of Mark, it's it's concise. It's the shortest. Um, it, it is it is extremely concise. As an English teacher, we like that. Uh, we don't like the ramp. Not that Matthew and Luke ramble, and it's inerrant, but. He, Mark is to the point and concise, and he's to the point and concise because it's fast-paced. The word that is translated in our, our translations as immediately is, meant, is found 40 times. Immediately, immediately, immediately. Two-thirds of the verses begin with and. And is a consecutive. And, and, and. Mark is fast-paced. And so what we're going to try to do, what I'm going to try to do is preach through the, the Gospel of Mark as Mark intended, be fast-paced. It's so often sometimes, and there's value in this, that sometimes preachers get bogged down and they preach one verse or three verses. But Mark is fast-paced. 
We're going to, I'm going to try to emulate that as best I can. The present, the, the, the most, the present tense is the, is the most, most, how would I say it? Occurs the most of all the verb tenses in the book, in the Gospel of Mark, present tense occurs the most. Why is, does, why, why is present tense, what does present tense mean? Not just now, it is now. Ongoing, continuous action. Ongoing, continuous. It's active. It's active. Present tense is active. Ongoing, present tense, continual. And so Mark, Mark is what I call the gospel of action. And then we're going to hopefully, I'm going to try to do that as we, as we preach and as we go through that. The gospel of action. What are some key themes? Some key themes that we're going to see in the Gospel of Mark. Number one, we're going to see time and time again that Jesus uh, will correct their messianic expectations and misunderstandings. You saw a glimpse of that uh, on Bible Project in terms of their, their messianic expectations was that the Messiah was going to be uh, a, a political ruler who would come and, and, and throw off the shackles of Rome. That's what their understanding of the Messiah was. Uh, when they when they read the, uh, the 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 prophet Isaiah, that's what they saw. But they missed the suffering servant part, which which is what really Mark is going to focus on. Um, uh, time and time again, let's see here. Uh, it's Mark chapter eight, verse thirty. This is uh, something that we see reoccurring throughout the Gospel of Mark. Jesus asks him who, who he is. And Peter gives that great uh, confession, you are the Christ. And then Jesus warns them not to tell anyone about him. Well, their expectation of Messiah was that he was going to come and be triumphant and be public. And yet all we see in Jesus is him saying, no, um, don't say anything yet. Um, and let's see here. How many, how many of these other verses? Um, 5.18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him and said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell him to the capital how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Again, this, that, that his, his, his revelation as Messiah was subdued. It was under the radar. It was not what they, in fact, what they were expecting. Number two is that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we're going to see this over and over and over again. And in a, in a, in a brief moment, we're going to look at the two great climactic confessions uh, of the fact that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. So Jesus will correct their messianic, their messianic expectations and all of their misunderstandings. The Jesus is going to, Mark portrays Jesus as the Son of God. Number three, that Jesus has all power and authority. And, and this is uh, going to be very important for us con- t- today. Jesus has all power and authority. Um, chapter 2, verse 3, or chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. 
Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And indeed, that is the crucial question. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? And the answer to that is, Which one is easier? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Because you can't verify that. That can't be unverified. It's a lot harder to say, to say get up, take your mat and walk. Because if he doesn't, then you know he's false. So Jesus, it's a lesser to greater argument. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. He took up his mat and walked in full view of them all. So, if Jesus was able to do the greater, which is say, take up your mat and walk and go home, and he did it, it proved he had the authority to, in fact, forgive sins. We're going to see this time and time again. Guys, we're not waiting for some kingdom later on for Jesus to rule and to reign. Jesus rules and reigns right now. On earth as it is in heaven. Number four, Jesus must suffer. Again, Mark, of all of the, of all of the Gospels, focuses on the suffering of Christ. Um, Mark 8.31. This is a turning point in the, in the Gospel of Mark. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And the disciples, from this point on, struggled with trying to understand that. And this relates to correction of their messianic expectations. They they had had missed the the, the prophecies of the suffering servant. They had had missed the the, the part about Messiah suffering and dying on, on behalf of the sins of the people. And they never really grasped this. In fact, it didn't really. The, the, the Bible tells us that they really didn't fully understand and grasp this until after the crucifixion and after his resurrection. Then they understood these words, but they they, they struggled with this concept um, that Jesus must suffer. Number five, Jesus calls his followers to imitate him. He he calls upon those who would follow him to imitate him in his, his humble service, his self-denial, and his suffering. In other words, this gospel, as, as we will see Jesus um, in his service, and his self-denial, and in his suffering, calls us to that very same life. And this will be a challenge to us. In 21st century America, we have a lot of stuff to lose. We have a lot to lose. When you, when you, when you think about the rest of the world, um, Tom was telling me uh, in Africa, what, 500 year rains in, in Tanzania? Houses being washed away. Now, we see that in Louisiana, but we have FEMA and we have insurance and we, you know, we real build houses. You need to understand when a house gets washed away in Africa, 
There's no insurance. Uh, that's foreign. We have a lot we can lose. And, and, we, and we, uh, we leverage the future. We, and, and God has so, been so good to us. We have insurance. We have a government that responds. Uh, we, we have resources. and um, Most of the world doesn't. And most of the world hasn't. They don't have much to lose. We have a lot to lose. And, and if we think that that doesn't affect our theology, if we think that that doesn't affect the way we read the Bible, we're kidding ourselves. Jesus is going to call us to self-denial and to suffering. Now, he's not saying go flagellate yourself and, and bring it on, you know. He doesn't say go create your own suffering. But in fact, we must be willing to die to him and to die for him um, and to suffer for him and to, be, and to be considered foolish for him and to be misunderstood for him because of him. This is what he calls us to. Look at chapter 10, verse 43. Verse 41, I'm sorry. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. James and John had had gone to Jesus, and we know through the other gospel, through his mom, through mommy, he sent his, their mother to go ask Jesus, uh, who's going to sit in your right hand? Who's going to sit in your left? Who's going to be number one man? Who's going to be number two? Jesus, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant. You know why they were indignant? They hadn't thought of that themselves. He beat them to the punch. Um, they were indignant with James and John. How dare they then? Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them? And their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. If I, if, I, if I would... And that would be a great phrase for us as Christians, right? Just about it. Not so with you. Our world may do this, but not so with you. Our world lives this way, but not so with you. Our world values these things, but not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus will call us, and Jesus does call us, to imitate him in humble service, in in daily self-denial and suffering. So, finally, what are our goals? A renewed love for Jesus? I want, to, I want uh, for myself and for us to have a renewed love for Jesus. Um, a renewed willingness to suffer as He suffered. Uh, and then a renewed commitment to discipleship. Um, finally, uh, let's see if I can do this. Uh, Jenna, you want to get that slide? I just want to show you kind of a brief outline so you get an overview of the Gospel. Um, As he says, um, see here. As he says in one one, the beginning of the gospel, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's really that's really a theme verse for the entire gospel. He's going to be talking about Jesus as the Son of God. The great climactic confessions. We read that Jesus says, "Who do you say that I am?" And what did Peter say? "You are the Christ. You are the Messiah." Uh, Mark fifteen thirty nine. The Roman centurion. Anybody remember what the Roman centurion said? 
Well, after he, yeah. Surely this was the Son of God. So we have from the mouth of Peter and, and from a Roman centurion, surely this was the Son of God. Um, now, in terms of chapters, this is, this, is, this is a rough estimation because chapters 1 through 8, verse 30, really are talking about him being sent to the multitudes. This is his public ministry. And within this ministry, we see his deity and we see his power. And in fact, we see his, his great um, um, acceptance by people. In other words, very popular during this time. Then in, cha- in chapters 8, verse 31, we read it. There's a decided turn in the gospel. And now he begins to set his face to Jerusalem. And he begins to teach and, and, and uh, explain to his disciples that he must die and be a ransom for many. And at this point that he pours his life into his disciples, uh, in discipleship and, and, and instilling in them his principles. Um, and then finally in Acts uh, chapters 11 through 16, uh, his sacrifice for the world, we have his, in fact, his death uh, and uh, his resurrection. Key verse in Mark, again, I think it's 1045, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, so, if you want to keep, if you want to think of it this way, uh, 1 through 8, chapters 1 through 8, is his, is his ministry to the multitudes, in, in chapters 8 through 10, is his journey to Jerusalem, and chapters 11 through 16, if we want to look at it geographically, is his, he, he is in Jerusalem, and, uh, and this is where he will remain until his, uh, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The Gospel of Mark. Here's what I'd like to challenge you to do. What I'd like to challenge you to do, and I know that, that many of you are in other studies, and, and, and that's fine. Obviously, that's great. Um, you have other things that you read. But I would encourage you to start reading through the, the Gospel of Mark. Um, maybe, maybe take one or two chapters a day and just read a, and start reading through Mark. And when you get to chapter 16, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start over. I want you to just, during this time, I want you to just keep reading through the Gospel of Mark. Um, you'd be amazed at how many new things you'll find and you'll see as you, as you continually read, read through it. But the best way for you and for us to study the Gospel of Mark is to read the Gospel of Mark. Now, don't rely just on Sunday mornings, but read it for yourself. And maybe even some of the things we talked about in terms of study. Maybe pick a, a passage that you want to do some in-depth study on. Uh, but let's, let's really immerse ourselves in the Gospel of Mark. My goal, guys, really my goal for myself and for us um, is that we would focus over the next, oh, I don't know, five, six months on, on, on our Lord Jesus and, and maybe a renewed love for Him as we see Him in, portrayed by John Mark in this Gospel uh, as the suffering servant um, and we'll try to emulate as best as possible this, the tone of the Gospel as well. Alright, let's pray and... Um, and we'll be on our way this morning. Father, again, this, this morning was, uh, was very introductory. And Lord, um, as we take a look at, um, at your life in this gospel, I pray you would come alive to us again. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would become real to us again. That you would not be uh, a mere theological abstraction. Um, but that we would once again know and be certain that you that you live and that you um, you are here among us 
and that um, you are worthy of our praise, you are worthy of our worship. You are indeed worthy um, of being followed, um, even to the point of suffering unto death. So God, again, we, we pray that you would instill in us uh, a renewed love, appreciation of worship, of following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed. Have a great week. Hey, doing, buddy? This is me. Hang on, just hang on, just a second. Is that? Just before I forget, glad to have you. Hey, feel free to come back anytime. Come back anytime, man. You bet. Like I said, if you want to get anything out here, you're you're more than welcome. But I just wanted to say thanks again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's, it's a lot different than Calvary, isn't it? It reminds me a little bit of my one that told me about Bible Project. Oh, really? Yeah. She was the one that. Oh, good. Isn't it? It's excellent. You know, I was wondering if there's any way you can download it to your computer. Well, we tried. We, we tried that, but as you know, we. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Well, we need to figure out how to do it because this, this always happens. Our buffering always. Down, you can download it. Okay, we'll do that in the future. Well, we, we, I help support them because I, I, it is just. Their stuff is. Oh, no. I I did the Bible project for two years. I did it one year with my mom and a friend of mine. Oh well, you actually went through yeah. the okay. And we did it every Sunday, and uh, then um, after my mom passed away, my friend and I did it for another year because we loved it so much. But it just really grew. Well, I haven't seen all of their stuff, but everything I've seen is doctrinally is so solid. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean it. These guys, and they look like they're 12 years. Of course, everybody's looking younger. <laughs> these. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's so... It's like, whoa. It, it, seven bars, these two times. It's such the big... I know. Vertically symmetrical, horizontally symmetrical. Like, listen, uh, like no other outline or, or overview that I, that I see. It, it is... I don't know how they do it. But, but, but not just that, but then graphically, how the creativity. And they're, they're upgrading it. Are yeah. Are you still I haven't done it for a while. It's, it's fabulous. I, so what we try to do in every, every book, we start a new series, is I always try to show Bible. It's like, I, I feel like I should have just walked that and we all go home. You know. Um, now this is a little different. What they Normally they, they do the kind of the cartoon. This was a little different. Yes. Yeah. They are. They are. They are. Yeah. So this was a, this was a little more 
I, well, I, I was movie-ish, movie-ish, you know. Um, but their, their stuff is so solid. Are, are you from here? Are you, where are you from originally? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you, yeah. When were you there? I don't remember her at all there. When, what years were you there? Do you remember? I was, I left there in 2003. So it looks like you came just after I left then. I would have left. My granddaughter passed away Okay. Oh, Dale Udy? Could have been. Probably was Dale. Would have been Rick Young. I love that Yeah. Well, good. Good, good. Is it, what's your church background? Do you have a church background? or? Oh, I grew up Lutheran. Oh, you did? Okay. Some of the hymns take me back to Pearl Church. Boy, some of those Lutheran hymns, though, are so hard to sing. I don't know if you remember or not, but man, some of those Lutheran hymns. My best friend was pastor of Peace with Christ Lutheran Church right down the road here. And uh, I used to I used to make fun of him all the time, those Lutheran. Because we, we'd visit. On Easter, we'd, we'd pick up usually, because we have multiple services, church. So we'd go one service to some other church just to see if they did. And so we'd go to Mike's church, and then I'd have to mock him for all those Lutheran hymns. That... <laughs> nice having you. Thank you. Come back. See you guys. Hey, are you are you out now? No. Um, I found out I didn't have quite as much permanent leave saved up as I thought I did. Oh, okay. So it's going to start on the 30th. June. Mm-hmm. So I got a little... Oh, so, so June 30th is your... Yeah. Well, not the official termination date, but that's when you no longer have to... You're officially... Well, yeah. Yeah. Unofficially, officially. Right. <laughs> Unofficially, officially. Yeah. Hey, um, I wanted to share with you two things that occurred to me during uh, the sermon. Um, one is about um, when the Gospel of Mark was written. Yeah. Um, some people actually estimated even earlier than you did um, because of, or at least parts of it, like his description of Jesus' betrayal and the passion, because it leaves certain people anonymous. Like, it doesn't identify the disciples. We, well, we know it couldn't have been before. Before he was crucified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, uh, I think it was. I think it was around 40 or 45. So the reason people estimate it being within just a few years is because it doesn't identify people like Peter. We know it was him who struck off the ear of the right. slave. But it might have been he left him anonymous to protect him because they were still looking for him. That could be. I mean, again, we don't know for sure. Um, uh, I think it was. I think it was early because well. How he describes her things. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I would 